So you guys watching Love is Blind or Love on the Spectrum? I'm actually watching it while we're recording. <laughs> can you guys, can you actually hold on for like a few more minutes? I'm just getting to the Tribal Council. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never watched an episode of that. Yeah. You're not missing out too much. Although I do like Love is Blind just because I like other people's drama. Yeah, it just makes you feel so emotionally intelligent when you're like, <laughs> oh, they're just trying to start fights. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. they're secretly self-sabotaging because they don't want to get married in two and a half weeks. Who does? Right. Well, besides like, you know, the Amish. But like, I mean, we're cutting all this. This is not the intro banter. But um, it's interesting that like, like Indian couples, their parents had arranged marriages. Right. And so it's like, well, at least you got to choose from 15 people you never saw, you know? And on television. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Are they all hot or are they all a mix or are they you know, all? They're others? all pretty hot. Yeah. Everyone's good looking. Some people are out of each other's leagues in different ways, but um, but everyone's television friendly. What's an example of two people who are out of leagues in different ways? Oh, you know, some guy's like really good looking and is like a classic playboy. And then like some girls like really kind hearted. And this yeah. guy thinks that he's like, oh, no, no, this is the time where I like settle down for someone for real. But you're like, this isn't going to last. You no. don't know yourself, Brad, you know. <laughs> Are they contractually obligated to have a man named Brad on each of these like <laughs> seasons? It, it, would, it would feel hollow without one. I think it's just the only name of people that end up signing up for those shows. <laughs> the producers are like, can we call him Carl? Because it's going to be confusing if we have seven <laughs> Brads. <laughs> we can't call him Carl. <laughs> it's a name from 1961. You're right. I don't know a, a person named Carl. I know one Carl. You know one Carl. My father's name is Carl. What? Yeah. My dad's a Carl. Carl Michaels. Wow. Mm -hmm. In all my years at OCT, I also never met a kid named Carl. I feel like they stopped naming kids Carl. <laughs> <laughs> and any Carls that are listening, if you're under, uh, we'll say 30, please do write in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get to come on the show. Yeah, also, oh, yeah. Level episode just about your name. Also, you guys, I haven't told you this. I'm telling you this live on the pod. But after watching one of the tournament games that we'll talk about, I was pretty excited about what had happened. And um, I didn't watch it all live. I watched most of the game live. But then I had to host a, like a boozy brunch we were throwing here at, at my apartment. Oh, nice. And so then I was like pretty tipsy and watched the end of that game. And it was very <laughs> exciting. And I did ask the winner if they wanted to come on the show, but I did not run it by you guys. <laughs> In your drunk exuberance, you mean for their win? You're like, you want to just come on? Yeah. We'll talk about how great it was. A hundred percent. Yeah. Did you give them your home address as well? Did yeah. I was like, you should anytime? be here, man. Do you want to live with me and my wife? <laughs> Can I legally adopt you? <laughs> um, I'm eager to know who it is once we get to the tournament tournament recap. Yeah. Yeah, but I just ahead of time, I'm going to say I'm for it. Yeah. yeah. No more I information mean, required. I'm down. Yeah. I mean, if there's one person who's played their way on to a guest spot on the show. Okay. And we all know who <laughs> we're talking about. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. And I have an inkling now. Is it two brothers? <laughs> <laughs> it is not 
But that is not a transition into Root News. (laughs) Wow, nice anti-segue. Thank you. I've been working on them. Or haven't I? Now, guys, (laughs) the big uh, headline for Root News this week is that the Root Marauders expansion. Okay? The (gasps) thing we've been talking about almost since ep one of like... Literally, yeah. We knew it was around. Yeah. We were, I mean, we've played it, to be fair, on Tabletop Simulator, but to have it physically, it is on the way, and it seems like it is going to be arriving to Kickstarter backers starting around mid-March. Exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad that Leader finally decided to pay the river folk for um, river boats to get them across the water. (laughs) Very excited. Apparently, they are in shipping containers, just like ready to be unloaded. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah, we have all know how much uh, shipping stuff has gone on, and to have this uh, Kickstarter being fulfilled so close to its original date is is amazing. I commend Leader immensely for it. Was this their this was their projected date of delivery when they launched it? I think it was January. Yeah, it was like Still just pretty good, just given. before yeah. Lunar New Year, but it's happening now, just like right afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's it pretty close. It's pretty yep. close. Yeah, I mean, I I've had Kickstarters that were delayed longer for sure. So oh, way longer. Is, I'm still waiting on a couple. Oh my gosh, uh, we're not gonna name names here, but come Jeez, on, it's been so long. Give I me think a I'm gonna break. get You just named? Do I? Am I bleeping that? Yeah, what bleep the name of the game, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet a uh, bleep game actually has some tough manufacturing pieces. You know what I mean? That would make sense, but. Still, uh, it it would be tougher if it wasn't already in retail. Wait, it is. Yeah, at least in France. <laughs> that's a little different. I don't know. I think it's in the U.S. too. But sorry, I... that's a wee different. <laughs> <laughs> all right, enough about t- other games. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the game we all love the most and the way it's being played competitively. Kyle, hit us up with that tournament recap. Absolutely. I thought you were going to say geopolitics, but here I we go. You were no, say this Clask, is... but great. Okay. Cool. Oh, I love Clask. <laughs> Clask is classic. Dude, I can't um, wait till we do the Clask podcast, you guys. <laughs> Let's talk about the episode two biscuits. (laughs) (laughs) It is a physically deep game, not a mentally rich game. No. Uh, So let's talk about the strategy where you try to hit it really hard off the side and just hope for the best. (laughs) (laughs) It's every game for me. Okay. So here we go. We actually have two weekends worth of tournament games to recap. So I'm going to try and do this a little bit on the quick side. Um, I want to just address up front. I think with the tournament recaps, I want to give you guys the faction mix. Before I give you the outcome, just so, so that you have like an idea of what the milieu is that we're playing in. Okay, like so that. game mm, 17 milieu, nice. taking place on the mountain map. And uh, this is a pretty star-studded game. Um, we had the Warlord, the Corvids, the Woodland Alliance, and the Otters. This game featured Aquaman Boss mm-hmm. playing as the Warlord. We had uh, Matt from Space Cats Peace Turtles as the Corvids. Hey. Mm-hmm. That's like three memes at the same time. Like it, it was, it was a great game. Um, <laughs> he and wanted to play Corvids, didn't he? Wasn't he gunning for them? No? Yeah, and yeah. It, I mean, it kind of worked out. I thought it was pretty good. The thing about this game is that the warlord, about halfway through, just started gaining items at like a crazy pace, and so by the end of the game, it was just this monstrous steamroller of rats everywhere it was like rats all over the place and the the 
finishing turn was just this like mega march, just like sweeping around the map, cleaning up cardboard. You know, the Warlord is not really a bursty faction, but if they have all the items in the world, they'll they'll close out a game. <laughs> the Warlord story is very different depending on their items, right? Yeah. It it elevates their engine so yeah. he, so immensely, like it, mm-hmm. it it makes a big difference. And in that game too, I thought the warlord did a nice job of positioning kind of towards the center, like kind of lingering around that lost city area, especially towards the end, because it meant that every other clearing was within reach. You know, you could just have that optimal final turn and, and clean it up. So, congrats to Aquaman boss. Moving on to round three, I think the, that's the only player from that game. Moving on. All right, game eighteen on the winter map. Also, a couple of stars in this game. Fantastic Mr. Trickster played in this oh, game. Oh, what up, Long-time Trickster? pod listener. Uh, and Purple Potato, who is, in my opinion, kind of a rising star in the Root community. Really, really talented player. Um, so this game was Moles, Cats, Woodland Alliance, and the Warlord you know, <laughs> on Winter Map. Mm. This is a game where player Bodison crafted Corvid planners with the Woodland Alliance. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll give you guys one guess as to who won this game. I was going to predict Woodland Alliance before because of the faction mix. You know, you got three red factions and then the faction that really capitalizes off of movement. True. Yeah, that is that is true. And, and especially with the Warlord in the game, it tends to be pretty migratory. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving into those clearings and having to clean out the sympathy to gain mm-hmm. oppress points, right? It's a nice little combo there. But yes, the Woodland Alliance with their Corvid planners was able to close out the game. And actually, the, the board did pretty a, a pretty good job of preventing them from expanding. But it was just too late after a certain point. Uh, Corvid planners let them move wherever they wanted to, and they, they closed it out. All right. Uh, so congrats to Bodison. And we actually have three people moving on to round three there. Fantastic Mr. Trickster, Purple Potato, and Bodison all moving on to round three. Nice. Congrats to those wow. players. All right, game 19 on the lake map. This had John the Swede, Gimli, Fugless, and RK9. And we had cats, badgers, lizards, and otters. Mm. So, bit of an insurgent-heavy mix Mm. with a couple of, like, pink-red factions, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) The lighter end of the red faction pool. Right. Uh, and this is on lake map, so it was a real positional struggle. Bugless did this interesting play where as the lizards, he sort of locked the like whole top right part of the board, just locked it mm-hmm. with gardens. And so nobody could even go into that area for like the whole second half of the game. <laughs> and it forced the other three players to just like cluster together and just like scrap over the rest of the board. Mm. I mean, it was really close, but the player who benefited the most from that type of board state was the otters. And after a clever false orders craft, they were able to uh, break up the ascendant badgers and score a bunch of relic points. Whoa. And ended up getting them close enough to the finish line to win. So congrats to RK9 for the otters win. And uh, RK9 and Fugless will be moving on to round three. Congrats to them. Round three. Really, really interesting so game. cool. Yeah. Game 20 on the autumn map. We had Corvids, Cats, Woodland Alliance, and the Warlord. This game was crazy. Like, just, there was, like, deals happening, and the, the like, threat assessment was all over the place. Basically, what ended, ended up happening is the Woodland Alliance, uh, played by Gregula, crafted... Uh, Gregula, by the way, is, like, a an extremely notable yeah. Root Digital League winner oh, on wow. multiple occasions. Really, really strong player. He was just, like, very quiet and chill the whole game. Crafted Propaganda Bureau with the Alliance pretty early on, and it just 
stuck around. Like it didn't go away. I think uh, a saboteur's got spent as a bird card for the cats at one point, and Ooh. it was just like that was it. That yeah. was that was the chance to spike it, and it didn't happen. So the Woodland Alliance came away with the victory there. Congrats to Greg Gula. Propaganda Bureau in uh, Alliance hands is pretty fun. That's yeah. the best one. That's I like think. crazy fun. Yeah. yeah, it's a good time. And I think there were bases just like everywhere. It was really cool. Yeah, even more than Corvid Planners, right? Yeah, I think when we did the versus guide, we said Corvid Planners was the worst one. And then we watched so many tournament games where Propaganda Bureau is definitely the choice. Yeah, uh, they're Corvid. they're so deadly. They're so deadly. And in this game too, Nick with the with, with the Warlord ended up smashing like two Woodland Alliance bases. Almost got three. And the Alliance still won the game. Probably <laughs> like, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Game 21, taking place in the mountain map. Love that we're kind of sticking with the mountain map as a uh, as a choice here. I love it. Uh, this game was kind of a different mix. I feel like the, the last four were pretty similar. This is a way different mix. We had the Eerie, the Arbiter, the Otters, and the Moles. So that was a bunch of fighty Ooh. factions all together mm-hmm. on the mountain map. Um, and I haven't mentioned this up to this point, but we actually had two dominance attempts in the, the first set of four games there. And some of them almost worked. At least it forced the board to really work together to stop it. Craziness. Craziness. So dominance is becoming more frequent in the winter tournament some, yeah. for some reason. Like, we're just seeing it a lot more. Everyone wants to be first. You know, (laughs) there's still a first in competitive route and everyone wants it. I think (sighs) some are tantalizingly close. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been like a year since we had the dominance conversation and we said back then that we thought it was underrated. And now that we're seeing a fair amount of attempts, although all resulting in failure (laughs) within the tournament, it's kind of reassuring that like people see it as a viable option, even if we haven't proven that it is. I think we said it was not viable in our episode overall for sure but we also all didn't we all come to a conclusion that like well maybe we didn't maybe this is my here's the nuanced conclusion that as i recall it was like if the table acts appropriately and works together well they can probably stop dominance yeah so it's your job as the dominance player to make it as difficult as possible and to try and look for cracks in the alliance also we said the early timing window for dominance is probably the stronger option yeah and i think the most successful attempt we've seen so far was with that early timing window except for game one of this year's winter tournament which went for the latest of all timing windows oh, yeah that crazy lizard one or whatever yeah i don't know i think there's one we're gonna talk about coming up it was pretty close <laughs> <laughs> all right so game 21 there was a the reason i brought this up is there was a dominance attempt in this game by the eerie mm-hmm. uh and they almost pulled it off was it rabbit um i actually don't statistically yes but maybe (laughs) if it wasn't then that was the missed opportunity for sure eerie that's a that's an infrequent user of the old dominance play and remember with the lost city in play um that that Mm -hmm. always will count Mm -hmm. for uh dominance clearing um so yeah pretty interesting game uh the duchy ended up taking it uh so congrats to the hat in the cat uh moving on (laughs) to round three (laughs) awesome name all right. Game 22, <laughs> also on Mountain Map, we had a longtime pod listener, Opie's Funeral, participating in this yeah, game Opie. as the cats. Uh, we also had the Eerie, the Vagrant, and the Woodland Alliance. Mm-hmm. So kind of actually similar to game one. It's like two red factions. And th- this is actually a base game, right? Right. Yeah, that's uh, what I was thinking. Base game with Vagrant. 
This one was crazy. Uh, Opie's funeral placed the keep in the lost city, which I thought was bold. <laughs> and it actually kind of worked out because the cats all very nearly won this game. That field hospital in there yeah. is so tasty. That's good. It's so helpful. It's so helpful. Yeah. The thing with this game is there was a bit of a bit of a kerfuffle at the finish line because the uh, Vagabond went allied and aided a bunch of cards for a bunch of points, but because they used instigate earlier in the game, there was like a situation where they should have gone hostile but didn't go hostile. Oh, so no. yeah, there was a little bit of a whoopsie there. Um, uh, admittedly, that's a tricky. Nuance. That's really uh, that's yeah I I wouldn't know those rules off the top of my head. Yeah, Instigate yeah. has a whole set of sub rules and stuff, so that yeah. that's a tricky nuance. It's it's totally understandable in a you know tournament pressure situation to like kind of goof that area, but it did lead to a vagrant win off of a, a huge Whoa. turn of eight in cards for points. So nice. that's that's the only reason I bring it up because um, the path to victory was right. Yeah, there was a, little, a point when it diverged, but littered with shredded rule books. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, really good game. Just wanted to shout out Opie's funeral, funeral for playing a, a nice game as the cats yeah. and um, for building sawmills. I, I love when players go for the sawmills. It's great. <laughs> game twenty three uh, took place in the winter map, and Sam, I think this might be the um, game that you got excited about game heard round the world yeah <laughs> took place on the winter map and uh i i have to tell you sam i actually only saw the first like half of this game so i want you to fill me in on the second half but let me let me get us up to speed on the first half so this mm-hmm. the faction mix is corvids badgers moles and otters uh so again a pretty red skewed uh table here we just have the one insurgent faction with the corvids but a very technical group of factions and from the get-go it was a bit of a slugfest and the badgers looked like they were in just like the, the most amazing position they had a nice little burst and then they they got a bunch of relics together and then walrus law as the corvids sound familiar <laughs> somebody take this faction away from this man <laughs> so obviously walrus law beat me in the the first round when he played corvids i kind of chalk it up to a whoops a daisy here's the thing is i'm so grateful that wa- it's, all right let's talk about how walrus law pulled this off i guess first <laughs> Right. Uh, so, so the Badgers got to 28 points in this game. Oh, no. Okay. And so then the table's like, we got to try and stop them, right? So they basically board wiped the Badgers. They took them all away, except for one clearing had a way station in it. Okay. But then Walrus Law flipped over the snare. <laughs> in that clearing so before we talked about the snare lock and what it does to the eerie dynasty but this is the first time i'd ever seen it be used against the badgers now so cannot be placed right right? or things cannot be placed or moved from i mean yeah yeah yeah. and so uh but this is where the new keyword of replace mattered because uh, before there wasn't a word called replace, and I we'd mentioned this kind of in the law update. Oh yeah, there's this term replace, and we're like, what does it mean? We're like, I don't know. It's basically the same thing, <laughs> okay. But this is the <laughs> this is the key thing why it mattered. Basically, the action replace means you have to remove and then place. 
So you can't do as much of that as you can because it's one action of removing and placing. Yeah, you have to do the mm-hmm. whole sequence when it says replace. So because they could not place because of the snare, it means that there was no way for the Badger player to come back into the game. Yeah. Whoa. At 28 points. Oh, my God. And they were such a good sport about it. They were they were great. Eventually, it got back around to them, and they were like, hey, what can I do to convince you guys to let me back in the game? And they were all like, I don't know. You're at 28 points. <laughs> and he goes, I, okay, that's fair. He goes, then can I leave? <laughs> and they're... <laughs> And they're like, okay, so so he he leaves, and I I think that's fair. Like, what is he gonna do? Stick around and just like watch his watch nothing yeah. happen to him? Yeah. So Garrett kind of takes over and draws his cards for him. But the moles player had gone for dominance, and it was real close. All of the, so the otters and the crows are having to stop this dominance play, and they were doing the great dominance play where it was like four clearings, and so both of the players had to take one. And they were able to do it for multiple turns. So then it just kind of comes down between who's going to win, the otters or the crows. And the crows were in a much better position. Walrus Law knows how to pilot this faction. And so then you're stuck between, again, a dominance win and Walrus Law winning with the crows (laughs) for a second time in a row. I mean, I got alerted to the game right away when PJ Darker was like, hey, Sam, guess what? Walrus Law is playing the Crows again. You might want to tune in. <laughs> and I did. And I watched this game and it I, it was insane. And so he pulls off the win with this snare lock. It was just a dream game. Um, one of the most wild games of Root I'd ever seen. That snare lock is pretty brutal. Yeah. Because if I have... If I can remember the Badger board right, if they had taken out the way station, they then would have been able to actually get back into the game, right? right. Because the, if they don't have anything on the map, they're allowed to place place a way station in any, uh, not any clearing. Yeah, there's in, like rules for getting them back in the right. game. Yeah, but they can do it, and not necessarily in the one where they were stuck with the snare. Right, right. they have that. Comeback. It's like the eerie comeback mechanic. Yeah, exactly. What a like what a hyper specific situation yeah. that just like. And if only eliminates the badge, yes. only you could decamp, right? Right, right. And remove the way station, but not place the warrior. Right. Then you would be able to use the comeback mechanic, but no, no. Replace strikes Brutal. again. Brutal. It was, yeah, it had everything you want in a game of root. Crazy comebacks, new faction interactions, and edge a case sticking rule point. Scenarios. Yeah, edge case rule scenario. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. My favorite. It, it was great. So uh, Walrus Law is, <laughs> I drunkenly promised to let him on the show. We'll see uh, when we can arrange for him to come on. Uh, that'd be super fun. Yeah, because I mean, this he is. come on on the Carl episode. <laughs> it's his real name. That'd be so funny. Um, but yeah, what a, what a wild. Carlus Law journey through this tournament and while we're going through to round three with a halo very nice uh congrats over there and um clev condolences on the snare lock that's a tough yeah it was tough great sport great sport dude you have to be a great sport i mean or i mean no you don't have to be i am impressed you're a great sport because 28 points and then you are told you can no longer play (laughs) that's that's a horrible thing i would quit root yeah yeah (laughs) i can tell that would set jake off i know that you would not play again yeah wasn't the other snare lock at like 27 points 
Yeah, no, it was a similar situation, except for um, that person wasn't as good of a sport about it. And um, and the Erie loses points. So it was yeah, kind of yeah. fun yeah. to yeah. watch them like, to, like, deteriorate. Stock go up and, right. then, yeah. <laughs> and then go back down. Um, it's got to be the most points lost in a single game of Root. I think, I think so. Yeah. yeah, that was brutal. What a what a sad tale for the birds too, because it's like every new day they're like, "All right, new government, and it's on fire." <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Tomorrow's gonna be good. Nope, on fire again. <laughs> Immediately collapses. <laughs> All right, we're gonna have our first vote of the. Oh, the building's falling down. <laughs> the ballot box is on fire. <laughs> Uh, last game, game 24, it's on the lake map. Uh, this one I'm calling a photo finish. This uh, had the Scoundrel, Badgers, Lizards, and Eerie. So oh. kind of an odd mix, but on lake map, things felt a little cozy. So my money was actually on Badgers for this game because mm-hmm. they had a bit of a burst. They seemed to be doing well. I don't know, for whatever reason, Badgers are, are doing okay on the lake map. Like it, That seems like a really challenging geography for them, but they, they seem to be doing okay. But... In the end, the Erie managed to claw their way back nice. to the front of the pack and achieved victory. I mean, it was like the Lizards were at like 28 points. Ugh. The Scoundrel was like right up there and had blown up one of the like choke point clearings. Yeah. Like, it, this is, it was an awesome game. But yeah, photo finish. Congrats to Katare winning with the Erie. Uh, Katare and Salo, Solomon, uh, who piloted the Lizards in that game, both are going to be moving on to round three. So see you there. Nice. If I make it to round three. <laughs> <laughs> You'll we'll be, be watching, watching the games regardless. Yeah, yeah. And that is your winter tournament recap here on the Woodland War Machine. <laughs> Shouts to Garrick Samples Games and Lily for broadcasting the best route happening on the planet right now. Go check out their Twitch stream. Good stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. The winter tournament. I mean, watching that game, but I mean, all the games of the winter tournament, it just reinforces that this is the greatest game of all time and i'm so happy that we get to talk about it every week you know yeah the meta is fluid it's developing all the time go for dominance why not walrus law shattered everything the show was based on (laughs) (laughs) all right now let's get back to the show proper folks because it's time as you might expect from the title of this episode to talk about how we go against I think my least favorite faction to go against, and that is the underground duchy. Boom, 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 I was thinking like I'll do mole noises, and like I don't know what a mole noise is. Is it just like kissing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah, scrabbling move, of claws move dirt under. from one area to another. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. Noise. imagine in your mind's ear. <laughs> now. The underground duchy is the most keep to themselves, curl up in a clearing, and turtle to win faction in root. Okay, I feel pretty safe saying that. Yeah, absolutely. They are the like order seamless, like <laughs> you know, contactless <laughs> delivery faction that you can you can have in the game. Yeah, hundred percent. It's a snow day, and they ain't going anywhere. All right. <laughs> If left alone, their ability to craft, draw cards, and expand to new clearings will completely overrun the game. Plus, since they have several viable builds like Smolmole, like Swolmole, and Sway and Prey, 
they're going to be hard to face off against, even for experienced players, because it's going to be like, what are they doing? And those strategies hybrid together pretty well. It's not like you have to choose one and stick with it the whole game. You can transition pretty seamlessly. Gotcha. So hopefully by the end of this guide, you'll be able to identify just how dangerous they are and how to prevent the mole snowball from becoming a snow mole man. <laughs> this um, this snow day metaphor is really working well. That's Thank a Faulkner you. line, isn't it? Yeah, I believe. Yeah, there yeah. were two paths. Mm -hmm. No, that's Robert Frost. Hey, Frost. <laughs> hey, Frost. There you go. Hey, there you go. <laughs> the snow guy. The All original right. mole. That's going to bring us to this episode's threat level. Retreat to your nearest tunnel. <laughs> and similarly to last episode, we're going to be in kind of like an orange-red territory. Last week, I'd call it red-orange. This week, I'm calling it orange-red. Okay? So it's more on the orange side of orange-red? <sighs> Honestly... There was a great conversation on our Discord this week about why haven't the Otters been doing as good this tournament? Hmm. And it feels weird because I think the Moles are doing good in this tournament, like as good as they did before. And the Otters seem to have fallen off a bit. Mm -hmm. And I don't exactly know why. I think that maybe these days the Moles are a little bit more threatening than the Otters. Um, so maybe they should be red-orange, and we should retroactively call otters orange-red. But Perhaps, either way, they're pretty close, and they're both very scary. Uh, the, the tournament game in the weekend, that was two weekends ago, where the otters won, that was just like a real masterclass of good otters play. Like, knowing exactly when to turn on the jets and police, like knowing when to hang back, how to set the prices. What I think is that the otters have just like the skill level for winning with otters has gone up since last yeah. year. So I think the ceiling is a bit higher uh, than it used to be. And I mean, everyone out there, get your reps in with the otters. They're still a strong faction. It just is going to require some fine tune, fine tuned play. One more thing on that crazy game. <laughs> um, the otters crafted tunnels, uh, oh, yeah, even though they right. couldn't use it just because they couldn't afford to give badgers a card to buy. That was just wild. The fact that like there was actually a, a reason why the otters would craft a card that would give them no benefit. They didn't yeah. want the badgers to buy the card, period. Right. Right. Oh my gosh. They, that was their only card in their hand. They couldn't afford to give badgers another card. So <laughs> that's a dire circumstance because all they yeah. want to do is sell, but they just didn't want to give badgers the the option. Right, you know, oh the my Badgers goodness. would have won if they would have got the card, yeah. Yeah, I feel like the Otters' issue is the fact that so much of their game play is open, both in their hand and in their conversation. I feel like that's the easier way to oppose, that's why it's so easy to oppose them in tournament-level play. Yeah, it could be. I mean, with a little bit of efficiency, though, you can, you, you want to put the table in that position where they're like, I would really help my game if I bought... But like, should I do it? Like, I'm not sure. You like, you want to get people in that headspace rather yeah. than like, oh, they've jumped up a bunch of points. Like, embargo. Like, no one's yeah. purchasing mm -hmm. anymore. So yeah, it it does take a little bit of a, it's a real heat management kind of situation. Very much a heat management. You want to like hang back a little bit in the points, win from behind, that kind of thing. So once again, I, I think the skill level has definitely risen. Players are more aware of the threat of the otters, so you have to manage that perception. With more of a deft hand. 
Maybe I'm going to pick the otters in my game. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's not who we're talking about, boys. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we're talking about the moles, okay? Yeah. And why they are red, orange, or orange, red, okay? And it is because that they can turtle and win. They can build their action economy to be one of the most efficient move and battlers in the game and win. And they can literally not build any buildings and win. <laughs> Even if that last one is a little bit more difficult than the former two. Okay? <laughs> sure. <laughs> but molds without price of failure will have a shot to win the game. No doubt. And depending on when you trigger price of failure and how many times, they still might have a decent shot to win. Yeah, I think the other thing that makes them threatening is they can just slap down any other contenders yeah. pretty hard. Yeah. Like they have no problem at all finding the bandwidth to just like march on over and just like punch mm -hmm. yeah they can go a lot of places too they could just dig yeah. to where they need to be at some point yeah that kind of like map access and flexibility is is to me what pushes them into red territory yeah maybe they are red so few factions can kind of do that like the corvids can all go into different clearings of the same suit which is pretty handy for them spreading out but the fact that the moles can just be like I choose to be here now is mm -hmm. is kind of unparalleled, right? And yeah. with usually a sizable force. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they can only dig with four, but they usually have the move actions to get the rest of the team yeah. there pretty quick. Four is, four is good enough for what we need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, battling four times in one turn and that just being like half of your action economy for that oh. turn is crazy. I hate playing against the moles. <laughs> Yeah, fully online moles are, are I think, one of the heaviest weight factions in the game. I mean, it's similar to think about, like, like an Eerie that has just, like, 12 cards in the Decree or something. Yeah, yeah. Like I just feel just... like with the Eerie, I'm like, we can figure something out. But with moles, I'm like, who can chew through that many moles? <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> who wants who? to go into the mole meat grinder? <laughs> yeah, for real. It does feel futile with their numbers. It's kind of this. It's kind of the same lizard problem too. It's like when you see the ball of them, you're like, "Well, whatever I do, even if it does technically help, it's not going to feel like it's going to help." Yeah, <laughs> there's no, no it's dopamine just gonna from this me. encounter that I'm going to get. And depending on turn order, it's like I'm not even going to get the points. You know, <laughs> yeah, right? Like yeah, I right. might have to be the first one in and just yeah. like hit five molds and then like ruin my turn and my army, and then so somebody else can get some points and we can keep this game in balance. Exactly. Yeah. So if once they get too settled, too turtley, uh, they can be very hard to stop. Mm -hmm. But how do we stop them? Well, we need to know what they need and how to deny them. And this is. This is going to be key here, all right? So the first need we're going to talk about is that they need to not be interrupted. The moles need their time, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> they need a couple turns where they can sway some ministers, get their action economy online, and uh, maybe put down a building. Not necessary, but maybe they want the card draw. Maybe they want the extra warriors. They just need some time to, you know, get into the clearings that match their hand so that they can sway the ministers that they want to. Yeah, they and they kind of remind me of the cats in a way. They need this short window at the beginning of the game of just development. They mm -hmm. have to get those ministers swayed, start their action economy, kind of build up to a place where they can like really hang militarily mm -hmm. with the rest of the board. And this is such a vulnerable moment 
for the malls. This kind of like yeah. early ramping up, you know, trying to find the right clearings with their limited actions. You know, they're going to be like recruiting like one guy, you know, so so things are quite delicate at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, the the kind of like sway and pray build, you know, where you are just moving into clearings, putting down uh, the buildings you need to craft as much of your hand as you can. Uh, and with all the remaining cards being swaying for points, kind of giving you some shielding for when price of failure triggers because you're putting down so many buildings. That strategy is obviously pretty resilient, but it still needs a little bit to get online. Yeah. Even like a simple mole mart where they just put all their moles in one clearing, throw a couple marts down, get a big old hand of cards, craft with that, probably a rabbit clearing, you know, craft with that or um, sway with those. It's they still need time. Yeah. And so they're that's the key is they need to not be interrupted. You need to hit them early. Okay, so it, it, it is about just trying to disrupt their setup early in the game. Mm-hmm. All right, Sam, how do we do it? Well, we need to make sure that their engine doesn't even get out of the driveway. You steal all right? their patent, first of okay, all. Yeah. That way it yeah. doesn't get out of the factory. Okay, so... <laughs> that's funny, God. Hold on. Um, a first-turn brigadier sway coupled with a turn-two mayor sway means that you're now going against a mole player with six actions every turn... They can craft in the evening, and they have the ability to pop up anywhere on the board through their tunnels. All right, so I'm just I'm just stressing how important it is to not let that happen. How do we deny them that? Well, we can kind of hit their warriors because they need those, like, they'll send a lone mole into a clearing so that they can sway with it. Um, and it's important to hit those moles. They only have a certain amount, and if they need more, then make them put down a citadel. I think yeah. I, I don't think they want to put down a citadel first. I think they'd rather put a, a mart down first. Is that what they're called? Market. market they'd rather market. put a market down first. I like um, marts, though, too. It's cute. Yeah, it's cute, yeah. Um, uh, I like to think of them as grocers, you know, yeah, the malls. That's the, they don't have to go to the grocery store if they just build one. Right. <laughs> but we want them to make a citadel instead of a supermarket, okay? So make them do that. Because also, whenever they put a building down, there it is. There's their... Uh, Kyle, when we talked about punitive mechanisms, what, what was the... The thing, it was like a glowing red spot on the dragon's belly. Yeah, glowing red spot. Yeah. Kneecap that you want to go for. Exactly. So make them do that by having to recruit more moles. I think that's the simplest way to do it. Yeah, uh, because force they, the citadel. Right. Yeah, because I think that a lot of moles players, especially in the tournament or whatever, start off with the small mole. They just are worried about getting their ministers online mm-hmm. and they're not giving you an opportunity to disrupt them with price of failure. So the only other option you have is to dwindle their numbers. Right. And just to piggyback on that, um, you mentioned that they need those warriors to be in matching clearings that match their hand. Mm-hmm. And so the Dutch is going to reveal their hand on every turn. Mm. Just trying to identify like which of those cards are matching up with which clearing and a really good way to disrupt them it it's smaller than like taking out a full building, but it's still very effective is to just battle those random moles that are out there, you know, get the ones that are matching the clearings. Um, because early in the game, the duchy wants that minimum force commitment. Mm-hmm. That's going to let them sway. Right. Which usually means it's not going to be a, too heavy of a presence. Um, and that also forces them to use those 
limited actions to move, which mm-hmm. they hate to do. You know, they'd rather spend it battling or you know, do anything else. Or, yeah, exactly. The key part with stopping a snowball is having to stop it early, right? Like this is the this is the only real opportunity to get involved with them until we, what we talked about earlier, which is that everybody has to make sacrifices against a huge pile of moles, which no one will want right. to do, right? Right. How do you so how do you counter small mole in early circumstances if they're just playing conservatively and not branching out too much? Right. So the classic counter to small mole in particular, and again, you identify small mole because it's they're mostly just recruiting and they're not building buildings. Mm-hmm. That's how you know it's small mole. Mm-hmm. The way to defeat small mole is basically just to battle warriors to to focus on them, like to go for the mole kind of cluster, even though there's no buildings behind it. Right. Like that is what they've spent most of their engine and like action economy Churning doing out, right. is recording re- recruiting one mole at a time so every mole that you battle away that's like a full action for them and so you you will have made that investment significantly less potent and and like we said a lot of players start out small mole and then they transition so yeah you know the early play of hitting their warriors i think is yeah it's that's what it is for small mole and that's what it is for early game because a lot of most players, that's the same. Yeah, it's a good check to keep in mind um, because players who are allowed to small mole for too long, they've like built that reserve of forces to like secure whatever clearing they need, mm-hmm. and um, just make make the make the moles pay for it if they're yeah. going to try that. Yeah, and I think you're bringing up uh, the cards in their hand, Kyle, which I, it brings us to our second need. Right. They need cards because cards equal swaying and cards equal crafting. They have some of the best card draw if the game, if they're willing to show their punitive mechanism to the table. Scandalous. <laughs> uh, but with all these cards, they're going to be able to sway any minister they wish and craft any card that they've set up for and control the outcast suit if you're playing with the lizards. Right. So let's let's. um hit the cards in their hand how do we do it you you really can't unless they put down a building save from some of the more niche craftable cards uh there's not a good way of doing it so we're hoping they put down some some markets and then Mm -hmm. we can kind of pull a twofer because by hitting their markets we're uh you know lessening their card draw but we're also triggering price of failure which is the main way you can get cards out of their hand so if you're to if you're to choose a target against them markets are obvious the bigger option because they're so card driven right right yeah unless that warrior churn is really causing a problem um but yeah i especially or honestly if any buildings in a rabbit clearing maybe prioritize that one because these molds are going to craft hmm True. Here's what I'll say about markets, though, is that drawing cards, card advantage, translates directly into engine building for the duchy Mm -hmm. in a way that Citadel's churning out warriors just doesn't. Right. It doesn't, like, ramp them up in the same way. Yeah. Like, they they get more defensive capability, but that doesn't mean that they have more stuff to do. If they're going for an early market, really, really concentrate on... Uh, making sure that they don't get away with it. <laughs> That's a pretty greedy thing to do early in the game is place a market. If somebody pulls that turn one double market, it's that there is no other option. You have 
to take him out. I I think. I, I don't see you winning the game if you let those markets... If you give them turns to churn out the Warriors to defend that, then it's just going to be such a chore to take it out. And by then, most of their engine's probably already built, and their yeah. crafted points are already on the table. True. Um, additionally, I want to point out some interactions that are useful in this regard. If you're the Woodland Alliance, uh, putting a sympathy by their tunnel... Um, mm. or in their kind of major clearing is a really nice way to just like zap a card from their hand, which is quite painful. Uh, and for the Corvids, again, using like an extortion to, you know, just like zip a card away from them. Um, every little bit chipping away at the hand really helps. And then that kind of brings us to their third need, which is their need to find those 12 points. If they are able to sway all their ministers... That's 18 points. Yeah. So Kyle, it's you... exactly like the river folk, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they're on their faction board. They've got 18 points worth of minister sways, um, which gives them some homework, right? They have to find 12 points somewhere, somehow. And that's mostly going to come through crafting mm-hmm. and battling, right? <laughs> yeah. Opportunistic battles, which they're very good at because like right. we said, they can pop up anywhere to do it. Usually with enough battle actions and warriors to make it count. This feels like an undervalued point to me. Like I'm glad I'm glad you guys brought this up because if a moles player knows that they need to go out and find twelve points, they should probably take maybe a risk or two when they're venturing out in the early game to go find vulnerable cardboard, right? Or to put themselves in a position to craft something early. Because things start getting locked up in the late game unless everybody's blowing each other to pieces. So They'll have the, I guess they'll have the power to do it in the late game. So how do you stop them? Is like you, you do everything first. If they're going to do it in the late game, that doesn't stop them. That's, I think one of the problems is they're one of the few factions that has the power to be like, oh, there's six lizards and two gardens. Mm -hmm. That'll be half my turn. Right, right. You know, like I'll just pop up there. I'll just do it. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I hate it. Well, there's yeah, there isn't a whole lot of options except for to to make sure they don't take to look for vulnerabilities in the early and mid game and shut the moles out of them. True. I mean, you don't want to leave cardboard lying around. It's probably a good rule of thumb. Um, the thing to maybe think about here is there's two scenarios in the end game for moles. One is craft their way across the finish line. The other is go looking for battles. You want to force the moles into the second scenario where yeah. they're looking for battles. Because uh, they're happy to just chill and craft. Right. Like, they if they don't have to go and seek the battles, they don't have to. They'll, they'll just turtle and win. So making them take that risk, to your point, Jake, I think that's got to be a focus, especially more towards the end of the game. Knowing that they have this gap to make up, you want to put them in a position where they have to reach out to get it, not just sit back and, and grab all the points. Um, but that's that's a little bit more abstract of a point, I right. think. It, basically, just know that they are in search of, at a minimum, 12 points from the common items and uh, from cardboard. So let's talk about crafting. Uh, now, I think that the molds are great crafters, but they're not quite as good as the river folk. So this idea of we have to craft the items out from under them, I think is less important because you have more time 
The yes. moles will probably hang out in one clearing, focusing on one suit and try to craft all the items of that suit. <laughs> Whereas Very the true. river folk can do it with any of the suits, right? So, and they, they're in control of when they draw their cards. I don't know. The river folk are just a little better at it. The molds are great crafters. Their timing for crafting is really solid. Um, so do look at where they're putting their buildings. And if you've got one of those items, even if it might benefit the warlord, even if it might benefit the vagabond, maybe think about that trade-off. Absolutely. Um, know with the, the duchy that their crafting pieces are also their buildings, which is their weak spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so keep that in mind that every time the duchy is going to go for some kind of crafting situation, like they are creating a vulnerability in order to do that. So it's a trade-off for them as well. Uh, but just be aware that in addition to helping you draw cards and recruit more, they're going to craft with those buildings as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's they have to show you that red spot if they want to craft. <laughs> Hopefully you haven't let them set themselves up where that's going to be quite the chore. You know? Hopefully you haven't been yelling that at your mole's opponent during the game. Show me your red spot. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get Garrick's stream canceled. Bad if you- form. <laughs> All right. Is red so, spot something I'm not aware of? N- no, I just it just I'm still gonna bleep it. <laughs> Dirty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in the base deck, uh, wh- what are we gonna craft to counter the moles? I feel like there's not that much, right? Uh, no. There's like tale as old as time. Brutal tactics. Jake, give us a little bit of brutal tactics. <laughs> Brutal tactics in battle as an attacker may deal an extra hit, but defender scores one point. Yeah, here you go. Here's an easier way to chew through the molds. You got to give them a point, so don't do it every time. Wait a minute. We were pretty we were pretty clear that they got to find 12 points and we're giving them one of those. If we can trigger price of failure, that trade off is definitely worth it. Hmm. Okay. They lose a crown, Jake. (laughs) (laughs) You. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I play devil's advocate and I get that. Your honor crowns. Uh felt too good. It was good time for a callback. Um so yeah. Yeah, I, be selective, but this is a good way to kind of help to us get through the stack of moles. Um honestly, I, I'm not even sure if brutal tactics is that effective because they're looking for those extra I, yeah points, I, I don't know i disagree with this i think this it's more important to keep them away than to deal a hit you guys give me an option about how to chew through eight moles i mean yeah. it is an option but i it's guess it's the only option in the pace deck sure sure, sure that's <laughs> fair. Fair, fair enough but the trade-off i just don't know if i guess that i don't think the price is worth it yeah but the second one i i get you yeah, armors. Jake, hit us up with that. In battle, may discard this to ignore all rolled hits taken. Yeah, so obviously, as an attacker, you can use this. That's the time to do it against the moles. You get a nice, good 3-3, and you turn that into a 3-0. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, good. That and, and you're not giving them any points. So that one is obviously better. It's easier to craft. Um, but does it? you still got to be able to do the damage. You still have to have amassed the army and march it into Mordor. Moldor. Yeah. Armors could also be used defensively as well. Um, I like to point out. Yeah. Just rolling right past that pun. Um, <laughs> I, I think because the moles are going to be searching for those military points towards the end of the game, armors can be a nice way to, 
you know, put them on a two turn clock instead of mm-hmm. winning this turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yep. I feel like the attacking tactic is going to be more common because the moles are possibly by the time you're using this are going to have three attacks in their turn anyway. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But it, if you can cancel one of them, maybe yeah. that's what you need. Sure. But yeah, it's good bad. in multiple <laughs> situations for sure. But we've recommended these cards all the time. What what'd you say? Multiple situations? Damn you. <laughs> um but we've recommended these cards a bunch because they're basically the only cards that go against people in yeah. the base deck. However, yeah. this next one is the best card you could craft against the moles, but you won't craft it. And that is stand and deliver. Jake hit us up with it's stand and deliver. It's the best thing you can do, but yet you still won't do it. <laughs> stand and deliver in Birdsong may take a random card from another player. That player scores one point. Oh my God, that card is so good. Jake, can you hit us up with the crafting cost of price of uh, stand and deliver? Three blind mice. Oh, wow. that card is so bad. <laughs> it's just like impossible to craft that card. Yeah. When is our stand and deliver Arada? That's what I want. <laughs> just put it in the Marauder expansion. Just ship it out. You know. This is a Slip cool in. exception to the whole give them a point thing because taking a card is a hefty price. It's so situational. This is never going to happen, right? This is just I've like never a, seen I it had happen. to put something in the document for these guys to fill up space. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Well, I, I think in it's... theory, this is a great card yeah. to counter the moles because obviously stealing a card from their hand is worth a point, whereas just dealing an extra hit, not always worth a point. Um, but yeah, taking a random card is incredibly painful for the duchy. But Santa Deliver is just prohibitive in terms of its crafting cost. It's too hard to craft. Yeah, I mean, it's the same level as a favor of the mice. <laughs> yeah, well, when you put it that way, that's pretty crazy. Are very different in yeah. terms of their effect on the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not including favors in base deck because we just know they're good. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Blow up everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You should be good. crafting favors, y'all. If we haven't mentioned that yet. <laughs> and lastly, we've got Scouting Party. Scouting Party? Scouting yeah. Party? It's a question mark for sure. As an attacker in battle, you are not affected by ambush cards. You know, the molds are going to have a lot of cards in their hand. Yeah. And if you're going to chew through some molds, they're probably going to ambush you. And that's probably good night, ladies. So having Scouting Party is a good way to prevent that. It's a great yeah. card. I love this card. I never get to yeah. play it, but I love this card. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this is great. Yeah. If you're doing the calculus of how to destroy the moles and your calculus always has that variable of the ambush that you either know is in their hand or they're going to draw mm-hmm. next turn. Uh, this is this is a good buffer. Yeah. And, and it doesn't give them a point. Nice job. That's yeah, great. yeah. Finally. Finally, <laughs> we're not giving them a point. Uh, so let's move on to the Exiles and Partisans deck. First up, we got Marine Broker. Jake, hit us up with Marine Broker. Marine Broker, whenever another player crafts an item, draw a card. Hey, they're going to be crafting items. You might as well get a card out of it. I do like that. I do like that. It it at least taxes the duchies, uh, one of their paths to kind of closing the points gap, which is very fun. Um, yeah, Marine Broker, good craft all around. But in a game where you've got a faction that's decent at crafting, like the duchy, Good to craft it instead of them. Because I also just imagine this if the duchy crafts. Yeah, it's it, a countercraft as, as much as it's a craft, right? Right. Yeah. Do not let them get this. Yeah. To a lesser extent, Master Engravers, if you're anticipating some crafting coming from yeah. the Dutch. 
From the Dutch. From the Dutch. <laughs> Trying it out. I don't know how it sounds. I like it. I like it. All, All right. right. Yeah. Well, let's see how the Dutch deal with a swap meet. Swap meet once in birdsong may take a random card from another player and then give them a card. All right, so we've seen all their cards, so we know we could be hitting the lottery. We could be taking those coins away. We could be removing that ambush from their hand. And at the very least, you could give them a card where you're like, try and work on this. You know? <laughs> yeah. A bird card. We haven't talked about how moles don't like bird cards yet. Yeah, true. At the um, at the end of, or the I think it's the first step of evening when they return all their cards to their hand that they've revealed. Any bird cards they've revealed actually get discarded instead of returning to the hand so those bird cards end up while they're flexible they end up being a little inefficient over time so replacing a suited card with a bird card in the duchy's hand is you know it's a neat trick mm-hmm. something you can consider with a swap meet situation love it it's not a hatred of birds it's more of a fear of birds yeah or that birds don't like moles maybe yeah one and done animosity of birds yeah the moles are like <laughs> Help us sway this squire. And they're like, I'm going to do my own thing. The birds are just yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to eat you. I'm going to go to the lost souls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to be sacrificed. That's my option. No, that would be in the lizard's hand. It means they've already been sacrificed. I'm just going to go and not influence the outcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't want to influence anybody. I'm just a bird here. I used to work for the moles. I'm not trying to. Started eat your obble. Hey, this guy's wild. <laughs> oh. All right. Uh, how about we talk about the card we've talked about in every one of the verses guides, and that's false orders. <sighs> this is yeah, that's true. Everyone were like, oh, you know what's a good card to play against this faction? False orders. False orders gets better every single yeah. game. Every time I draw it, I'm like shenanigans. Every time, like it's, your menu opens up a little bit. Yeah. How is this thing only one fox too? That's kind of crazy. Oh, God, so, so good. RK nines River Folk Victory game nineteen on Lake Map. False orders basically won the game. Kyle, do you know how many false orders are in the deck? Um, actually, I don't know offhand. I think it's three. That's what I'm thinking. Might be two. Too. Don't you have a chart on your wall back there? <laughs> no, I did make one though. There's two. Are two false orders in the deck. Now let's move on to partisans. We didn't even really talk about false orders. Do, you, do we just, okay? We all right. know it's good. I mean, but in a moles game, right? Yeah. Uh, are we trying to split the biggest mole ball? What are we trying to do? Yeah. Yeah. Trying to what we're trying to do is they're trying to expose a building for price of failure. Isn't that what we're generally trying exactly. to do? Exactly. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Okay, we're all tired of talking about false support. Okay. <laughs> it's so good. It's so uh, good. Yeah, I mean, what sick we, of how good it is. What I want to do is I want to false order them into a sympathetic clearing and then have that sympathy blow them all up. That's what I want. Oh, wow, that's pretty. So they get taxed a card, nasty. and then they blow up. Kind of following on with this like seamless metaphor. It's like you pose as a delivery driver, <laughs> and then somehow get half of them to like follow you to a different clearing oh yeah yeah, no no no. i got your pad cu yeah it's it's in my truck here come on come come over here everybody come no, with just me. half of you rounded up half of you rounded up coming into my truck <laughs> my truck is parked in the clearing four miles away <laughs> ignore the green fists all right so let's talk about partisans 
Uh, Partisan comes in three varieties. Jake, how about you read us the mouse variety? Sure. Mouse Partisans in battle in mouse clearings may deal one extra hit, then discard all your cards except mice. Right. And this is the same for the other suits, too. This allows you to do an extra hit if you're willing to give up your hand, which is very handy if you're the Eerie Dynasties or uh, probably the Warlord. Even though you can only draw one card, you're probably just not doing a ton with cards anyway. Um, This is just a good way to deal those extra hits that you're going to need to chew through that mole ball. Correct. And can be used defensively as well. We've seen a couple of uh, partisans that match crucial infrastructure Mm. Um, be used defensively to just like discourage uh, a mole incursion yeah (laughs) yeah so partisans can be deterrents as well Uh, but yeah generally good for going on the offensive against the the duchy i mean i feel like there's it's just a a game of go hit (laughs) them yeah go hit them if you can there's not a lot of nuance in this versus guide because the moles are pretty flexible it's hard to be like, oh, this is what they're going to do because they could pivot at any moment in the game. One that's not on here that I'd ask about is saboteurs. Should we be putting that as a higher priority in this world because there's a chance that they get a, one of these cool cards we've said we can't let them get a hold of? I wouldn't prioritize it because I feel like the molds will be using their crafting for items. Sure. Uh, but yeah, if they get Marine Broker, if they yeah, get Master Marine Engraver, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shout out to more just like really briefly, which is Propaganda Bureau uh, for kind of taking out those little like straggler moles that match the What's clearings. Propaganda Bureau do? Propaganda Bureau, once in daylight, may spend a card to remove an enemy warrior from a matching clearing and place a warrior there. Yeah. yeah. Not replace, notably. We'll see in, in root second edition what the wording on that will be. Well, you still have to follow the whole action, don't you? The The, the ruling still applies, right? What is the rule that's tattooed on your lower back, Kyle? Do as much as possible. (laughs) (laughs) So easy. So yeah, shouting out Propaganda Bureau for replacing those little extra moles running around. And last, I'm going to shout out Coffin Makers. I know we, we, I feel like we don't talk about Coffin Makers enough, but in a situation where you have a red faction that's going to be doing a lot of battling, you want to, in the same way that you want to tax them for crafting items using Marine Broker, this taxes them for battling. Uh, with coffin makers yeah yeah that's a good shout i should read those for folks first if you somehow don't know about this glorious card coffin makers whenever any warriors would return to a supply place them on this card instead at the beginning of birdsong you score one point per five warriors here then return all warriors here to their supplies yeah so if they decide to get aggressive it's just going to end up feeding points to whoever has crafted coffins um, so it might be a way to discourage attacking this card is such a heat machine, even when it doesn't work well, I feel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So many people get like three warriors on it and get no points, and everybody's like, we still need to destroy him, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think it's just that that's the only card in the game where it generates points multiple times. And pass well, not passively, but kind of passively. It yeah. comes to mm-hmm. you, not always of your own actions, right? Yeah. And it's also so visually present in the TTS version with that ridiculously huge coffin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shouts to Nebuchadnezzar. It's such, a, it's such an intimidating thing to have on the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that adds to the heat, Jake. What do you think? I think it does. Absolutely. Yeah. It does. Yeah. 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 We need a cute TTS asset for false orders. I feel like it's just a guy in a Thai delivery van. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> <laughs> 
It just says get it. in on this side, and there's a, not a green fist, but a thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, now I want Thai food. All right. <laughs> you guys. Yeah. Might have a mole problem. If the moles have six or more moles in a clearing with two or more buildings. Oof. Yeah, this is a nice threshold because uh, they can withstand two maximum battles and have buildings left over. Uh, I I consider their turtle shell fully formed at about six warriors. (laughs) Yeah, and it's so easy because once it's six, next turn, it's eight. And then Mm -hmm. next turn, they're in another clearing with six. Like it... It just gets so fast. Yeah. Yeah, so you'd be be attuned to that threshold. They got five and two buildings. Like, now's the time to strike because they're about to have six. And uh, yeah, you have a mole problem. You, it, There's no might about it. You have a mole problem at that yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> it's too late. And like we said, it's, yeah, Jake, you said it's too late. Like, all of these problems need to be prevented rather than dealt with. So here's the question then, is four actually a mole problem knowing that six is coming? Or is six a problem knowing eight is coming? The second one. I uh the thing is they start with four moles and one yeah. clearing. Right, right. At the start at the top of the game. And I wouldn't call that like impossible to, to bust through. The thing is six is like two full Yeah. That, but that's fully... what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is, is like four is not a problem, but you know it's turning into one. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With two buildings, that is. Yeah, you might have a mole problem if there's four. <laughs> you okay. have a mole problem if it's six. Got it. Yeah. All right. You might have a mole problem <laughs> if they have crafted uh, big ticket items like coins and tea and swords. Yeah. Because you know that that gap, that 12-point gap that we've been talking about, you know that's closing rapidly if they're crafting those big-ticket items. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to get risks or get lucky to find the other remaining points as easily. Right. Correct. Yeah, also, it just sucks because it's like, you're like, oh, don't craft the points, kill for them. And it's like, you're one of the targets they're yeah. going to kill, you know? It sucks. Yeah. yeah. All right. You might have a mole problem. Grandma? If you have and if they have any swayed lords, you need to prevent them from getting a lord. Uh, these these are the actions that they can take to score points. We said that they have eighteen points on their board. That's not true. Once they get lords, they can start taking actions to make points. It unlocks some kind of passive scoring based on markets, citadels, and tunnels, respectively. But yeah, lords are are the kind of top tier ministers they're the most expensive and they offer the most points for swaying them. And we'll talk about in special teams, the way that mole players frequently use Lords, um, which is not always to get those passive points, but mm-hmm. for actually a different purpose. But just know that if they have a Lord swayed, you definitely have a problem. Yeah. You got to take it out. Otherwise they're getting more points. They get three points for doing something that's going to get them points. You have a mole problem. It also kind of disrupts the whole they need 12 points thought, right? Because the points that they were capped at for swaying isn't really a cap if those lords still exist. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that lifts. It uh, it, ma- it makes the gap even smaller. Yeah, right. exactly. And you might have a mole problem if you are the only other red faction. Because it's now yeah. your job to deal with the moles. 
And you can't get help very easily, right? Right. I mean, if the otters are in there and we're not calling otters a red faction, like, oh, that's great. That is helpful. But if it's like Woodland Alliance and the Corvid Conspiracy and you're the birds, it's like your decree is going to have to be like killing mole centric at the top. You're not going to be able to race them if the mole player knows how to race. True. You have to be a bit careful for sure. And I think in that case, it's going to be about swaying the table. Yeah. Yeah. And trying to win the PR battle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the moles are going to be doing the same thing, right? They're going to look at you and be like, well, someone's got to deal with this red faction. Right. Yeah, you have to get inventive a little bit, right? Because you're the only one who can muscle them, provided, you know, something like adaptable like the otters are there. I mean, I do want to bring up this point. We have seen matchups like this where there's only two red factions, one mole and then some other red faction that do just kind of morph into the red factions are racing. Good Mm -hmm. luck keeping up. And... I feel like those those games can be quite brittle. My preference is always to just entangle early in those types of matchups to prevent that scenario. Because, again, the moles are really good at winning a racing endgame. So good. So good. All right. Let's talk about how to check them. And we've been talking about it all episode long. The number one thing to do to check this faction is to hit their buildings triggering price of failure make them pay Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes they lose a card they lose a suede minister and above all and above all they lose a crown most importantly that crown ain't coming back no permanently removed (laughs) you also get to yell failure at them Uh, yeah, that's fun. That's maybe the best part about playing against the moles. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, this is what we're looking for. They're going to make it exceedingly difficult. If there's ever a half chance you can take it, even if Jake is like, guys, it's so early in the game. It's like, sorry, Jake, we have to hit that market, but you're letting Sam get away with it. But Sam can be checked later and Jake can't, right? Yeah. I mean, that's Jake what can't. That's what we're getting to. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else on price of failure, boys? I mean, like, like we said earlier, go for markets over citadels, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just cards are such an engine for them. When when done in, with the right timing, it is so freaking painful. Yeah. Um, which is what stemmed my initial conversation about it when we were first debating because I had gotten done with, I think it was two different games where I was just hamstrung because every time I got up above Squire no one would let me past it. Mm. And I I think that was a symptom of me maybe not defending my buildings enough or whatever, or maybe I had was double teamed, but just that trauma, it really can hamstring a, a mole. And that's the thing is taking out a noble mm-hmm. through price of failure is the best bang for your buck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that check, I think, hits the hardest of of all the versions of price of failure with the, you know, the different levels of suede minister. Hitting a noble, hitting brigadier, mayor, or banker is going to hurt the most. Because mm-hmm. those, I mean, those crowns are gone forever. And that's that's where they want an unlimited supply. No, no, no. This is, no, this no, is no, completely this, in this earnest. Is well, right. Well, I mean, that nobles are when they really can get things moving. Those those squires are just like a thing, right? right. But, but the nobles are when the snowball starts growing for real. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the real snow meat and potatoes. 
And you'll remember who does it to you. And I remember. It was Kyle Atchison. Multiple <laughs> I, times. I, uh, game. I, <laughs> yeah. Look, I had to check the moles. No, like, no. Who's going to blame me? You, you did it well. Yeah. <laughs> what other ways can we check them, boys? There's only one left thing left to do, and that's hit their warriors. <laughs> okay. So our two pieces of advice. Hit buildings, hit warriors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got it. They're they're both detrimental for slightly different reasons, but they're they're both good ways to check the touchy. I, I realize that like it sounds reductive, but let's dig in for just a second, because hitting the warriors, one of the daylight actions for the most is just recruit, right? If they have citadels, they can kind of put off the recruiting onto their start of turn citadel recruit. Uh, and they automatically get one in the burrow at the top of every turn. Right. But that is such a slow drip of warriors at the beginning of the game. Every warrior you take out in a battle, it's hard to replace. And it forces the moles to spend their actions trying to replace that army instead of building buildings, instead of, uh, you know, doing anything else at their turn. So destroying their warriors is destroying their action economy is what I want to say. It's not just about hitting the dudes. Right. It's about taxing their action economy. Yeah. I just wanted to point out there's a, it's a little bit of a deeper consideration than just uh, hit them because they're on the board. <laughs> you right. say warriors are their action economy, but do you mean that in the same way that everybody's warriors are kind of like what they can do on the board necessarily? Cause cards are their action economy, right? Well, here's the thing, though, is the cards have to be connected to warriors present in specific clearings in order to sway those ministers yeah. to ramp up their action economy. Things all, like, link together in this way. So what I'm leading to that is, is, like, kill specific warriors, right? It's not about necessarily dwindling numbers. It's about their presence. Right. And their location. Yeah, it can help to do a targeted strike, especially if you you notice what's in their hand and can take out a matching warrior. Right. Very helpful. I do want to point out, though, if they're going for small mole or for money mole or money mart, focusing on markets early in the game, that is an excellent time to focus on killing warriors because uh, they will have a very hard time replacing those if they've gone for heavy markets. Mm-hmm. Um, and small mole, especially, like they're spending all their actions recruiting early in the game. So every mole in is a mole out. <laughs> also, if somebody's going pure small mole, right, which people don't really do anymore after the summer of small mole, but if somebody is going pure small mole, which the, is defined as sorry to interrupt you, which is defined as like no buildings, no buildings, only tunnels, trickling in tunnels and swaying when you by right. using those tunnels, right? Yep. Okay. The thing to do is to hit the tunnels, right? Yeah, because they will sway the lord that gets them points for having tunnels on the board. Yeah, the Duchess of Mud. And although you won't trigger Price of Failure, you're at least, uh, you know, got to nerf the Duchess of Mud there. Right. Who notably only functions if all three tunnels are present on the map right. during the mole's turn. So every tunnel you take out means they have to dig. It's a, it's a whole thing. Because the Baron and the Earl are per market in Citadel, respectively, but she scores two points for every, th- for, not for every three, if the three are on the map. That's correct. Right. Got yeah, it. They okay. all have to be there. Yeah. So this is why small mole isn't totally broken. It's actually kind of difficult to pull off. It's I Tough. when I first heard tale of it, I was like, what? How did yeah. people fall for this? And then I saw how it was played in practice and I was very impressed. It's such an innovative way to do it. Yeah. And I doubt Cole saw that coming. Yeah. Well, Cole didn't design the moles and okay. the moles had like 
I guess we should talk about this. We're at special teams, so this will be my contribution to special teams here is the moles and crows, like the underground, uh, the underworld expansion kind of had a last minute, like reworking Kyle. You might remember when I printed and played the underworld expansion, the crows had this whole mechanic where they put cards into people's hands and it was like a totally different faction. Yeah. And it was simplified and totally changed at the last minute. The moles were called the great underground duchy and they had, they used to have to sway a minister and that minister allowed them to craft. Mm, right, right. And they changed that, and I kind of wish it was the old way. I, I always kind of long for what if there was a faction that couldn't inherently craft, but they, you know, they had to get a, a person out there. As a result, they put their uh, crafting in the evening, which kind of feels like it swings to the other side of the pendulum, where it's like, oh, that's the best time they ever could craft. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, um. But so anyway, so special teams here, the moles kind of had some last minute things. So I think that small mole exploit seemed like it was going to be a big problem. Uh, but over the summer of small mole, uh, the community kind of learned its uh, pitfalls and uh, kind of now now a hybrid approach seems to be the most popular where you start out small and then transition mostly to mole mart. Yeah, exactly. Try and you try and go for the markets unless the board state is so toxic that you just have to go for Citadel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so we are moving on to special teams. Whistle three points. <laughs> you make the whistle gesture and say whistle. You don't tweet. <laughs> whistle. <laughs> Very pleasant. Um, I wonder if there was. It'd be hilarious if there was a whistle that if you blew into it. It would just, the word whistle would come whistle. out. Whistle! It's like one of those guns in the cartoons that say bang with a little flag. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. An onomatopoeia whistle. <laughs> so price of failure, let's talk about it. So triggers once per battle, no matter how many buildings are destroyed. Jake. Yeah, it makes it not that bad. <laughs> but imagine, think about this. If, if moles are turtled up in a clearing, they have like two markets, let's say. And you go in there and you battle them away. You get both markets in one battle. Most are going to suffer price of failure just once. Yeah, they're also not going to draw two more cards next turn. That's pretty You're, huge. That is definitely true. That is a big deal. That's like for them to do all of to lose all of that would be pretty catastrophic. This this yeah. this reason right here is why I think uh, brutal tactics and partisans are better than you think they are because it gives you the opportunity to deal that extra hit at the right time to trigger this twice. Sure. If you are just removing all of their warriors and have a way to deal just like one extra hit to hit a building and then you can do another battle to get the other one uh you can force price of failure to happen multiple times in one go which is like amazing that's that's definitely the best that it could be um and one just fun little interaction i want to highlight is if you are the lord of the hundreds the warlord and you manage to battle your way through all the warriors and you just have undefended buildings in front of you some citadels or markets you can use looters to not deal any rolled hits and just use the undefended bonus hit to take out one building at a time pretty nice interaction there yeah do they have to have an item for you to use looters i think so yes or is that just do as much as you can no that's they have to have an item dang (laughs) very fun like pretty great that's a great interesting little interaction i just wanted to highlight yeah 
All right. Uh, we, we've kind of touched on this earlier, but whenever the duchy sways a lord, uh, the highest tier of minister, there's actually kind of like a, a sneaky reason why they might want to do that, even if it's not obvious that they can score any points from it. For instance, if they sway duchess of mud, but they don't have all their tunnels, don't just sit back and say, aha, they can't score points. This lord is not a threat. In fact, they might be using it as a shield. During the course of the game, you're going to take out a building now and then, triggering price of failure. If they've swayed a lord, that actually protects their noble ministers. Oh. Kyle, don't tell them our secrets. <laughs> That's like the one thing oh, I Jake. hoped you guys wouldn't notice. No. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, so the shield lord, be aware. If they sway that lord, that is actually just an additional layer of armor protecting their crucial nobles that are the core of their action economy. The nobles are so good. It's, yeah, like, fine. Go, go ahead. Kill the Duchess of Mud. I don't care. Give me, exactly. give me those nobles. Yeah. Yeah, you'll just re-sway that noble for extra security and three more points. Provided I have the crowns. You're right. right. Those precious, precious <laughs> crowns. Yeah, so... Uh, lastly, I want to talk about this one funny thing that the Duchy has. It's called the Burrow, and it's, it is legitimately an extra clearing on the map. Now, it's a clearing that the Duchy always rules, and that no other faction can visit. So, a funny interaction is if the Duchy crafts a card from the base deck called Royal Claim. Uh, Jake, can you hit us with Royal Claim? Absolutely. Royal Claim, in Birdsong, may discard this to score one point per clearing you rule. Notably, it is a four crafting of a four crafting cost of any clearing type. True, it's quite expensive. It's four four wild, uh, but not out pieces. of the realm of possibility. Yes, um, so this is a kind of a cute little tactic. But the the duchy, because they always rule the borough, is going to score an automatic point from royal claim. Um, they don't tend to rule much beyond their kind of main clearing. So I had to hear that this is like a red alert threat. Like, it, it, depending on the board state, it might not be. Yeah. Um, so that's a cute one. I, I couldn't come up with too many other fancy things for the duchy. They're they're pretty solid overall. Yeah. yeah. They're hard to shake. They feel like the vagabond in a lot of ways to me. Mm -hmm. Where they're like, oh, wow, their ability to do stuff. Like, they get to like choose the order they do a lot of stuff in. Uh, it seems like really easy for them to just chew through clearings. And when I attack them, I never seem to get points. <laughs> I have a question for you both. Who are you most scared to see on the board with the moles? Uh, maybe the crows, because they're not going to help. Yeah, I was thinking the crows or the otters, because the otters give them options that they're not afraid to buy from sometimes. Yeah, yeah, the extra cards can be pretty tough. Anytime I'm moles and the otters in the game, I tend to be happy. Uh, I Yeah, if I'm otters going against moles, I can get paid to fight them, which is kind of nice. Yes, there is that. There's that. Um, cats, I'd be pretty afraid of. Because cats are not going to help. Right. Yeah, like lizards... Like, the thing is, like, lizards can help eventually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they can at least trigger price of failure. If the stars you know? are right, right? Right, right. Yeah. The problem is, if molds go mole mart and then can also influence the outcast suit, then they can kind of prevent themselves from getting that uh, price of failure triggered. So, yeah, I just find, like, yeah, when an otter is out there, it just kind of, as it opens up everybody's game, because there's three new potential options, not that you're always going to buy those, but, like, the moles can generally afford to pay them provided the ball's not too big of a threat to them. The first Space Cats Peace Turtles tournament in my championship game, I was Otters. 
There were the Lizard player and a Moles player. The Moles player went Heavy Molemart turn one, and everyone, I think everyone paid me to go deal with it, or somebody else dealt with it, because we're all like, that's going to influence the Outcast suit for the rest of the game. So we took that greedy play, and we really stopped them early. Well, all the more reason to be afraid of the Otters at the table when you're not the Otters and the Moles. Right? Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, you want to be the otters. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's the conclusion, gang. Our big hope here is to hurt the moles early on and to coax them out of their shell to be the red faction that they were meant to be, right? We want to make sure that they go and battle, you know, somebody else. And they are not just hoarding their resources like a bunch of dragons with their red spot glowing. If another big threat emerges, you want the moles to have to dig and battle that problem away and not just race it because they'll win. They'll win that race. Absolutely. And just never let them have the Thai food for free. No, you got a tip. I'm going to order some bad to you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm going to give a special thanks to uh, Mark from Magpie Games. Uh, Last episode was very special. Really enjoyed our conversation with him. It was just awesome to kind of like talk and it felt like he was just the perfect person to be managing this project. Him and Cole had a lot of similarities when we were talking to him and uh, just was awesome that he came on the show and we really appreciate it. Those those designer brains are so interesting to peek into. I love I love how he talked about integrating so many elements of the lore that's just kind of buried in the story of how the factions interact, not even necessarily written out. And then they went ahead and wrote it out. <laughs> like, right. Like, I think. I know that Cole thinks about that all the time mm-hmm. about the denizens being cards. And I know that we talk about it because we talk about this game all the time, but I was worried that those kind of details and stuff would be lost when you're transporting it to a totally different game system. And the team at Magpie really delivered. It wasn't, it wasn't only not, not lost. It was fully embraced and yeah. like designed around, which was yeah. so great to hear. Yeah, yeah. you can check that out. That's uh, the episode right before this in your feed. If you somehow skipped it because you saw two RPG episodes and you're a board gamer, uh, give it a listen because it's still very Root related. Also, yeah, he dropped some news in that episode. He also, like, it's a great it's a great conversation from just listening to a designer talk about the process of building these games. I know that maybe RPGs aren't everybody's flavor, but uh, hearing how he incorporates the elements of the Root board game into the lifestyle of the root world it was a blast absolutely uh jake you ready for me to ask you a tough question uh every day are we doing more root rpg <laughs> i mean my answer is i would love to it's always yeah. just a matter of schedule because i just feel like kyle's world was so good i looked at the um little chart on the gm screen that's like how much notoriety or like favor within a faction you get mm-hmm. <laughs> and like stealing the head of a faction or changing control of a clearing is like negative eight or something. I do like, hope we changed. I think we did change control of that clearing. Is that a fair assumption to make? J- I think Gen- Kyle Game said. Master, I don't right? know. Because like they burned we, down their own garrison and we took their leader. I mean, just I, I feel like the characters could reason this out, but like we got to see what level of uh, soldier was in that clearing. <laughs> Imagine that without a leader (laughs) and a home you know what i mean like yeah 
desertion is going to be skyrocketing. <laughs> yeah. Like, who's going to pay them? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. And with that antique saucer gone, you can't even pawn that off for some exactly, sweet salamanders. Exactly. Yeah. I love that yes. we leapt out the window confident we could fly and we were on the ground floor. <laughs> that was such a great revelation of, of realizing your imagination doesn't match your partner's. <laughs> pretty funny pretty funny i mean like it's still a fun moment but it it's a little extra goofy yeah absolutely well my answer sam is absolutely when time allows awesome awesome i look forward to that and i hope everyone enjoyed that episode a very special free mcyarn that's what i said (laughs) hashtag free mcyarn all right, uh, listen up, Wimmies. If you want to be a Wimmy, you must join the Discord. All right, join the Discord and give yourself the Woodland War Machine role. Um, this is the Good Time Society Discord, of course. And join the Patreon if you're so inclined. We really appreciate everyone who's been doing that. We're trying to get you as much root pretty content as possible. You also would get the session zero of our character creation process we did for the RPG episode, which was a whole lot of fun. And you get a little bit more of the process we went into uh, building and somewhat improvising the background of these characters. Yeah, super fun. So fun. So fun. Thanks to everyone for the conversations we've been having. We've been really, there's been a lot of badger talk on the Discord lately and the kind of like analysis of why the otters aren't doing good. But I honestly just feel like the conversations keep getting higher and higher level on that Discord. So if you love chat and root, you you got no excuse if you're listening to this to not join the Discord. There's some very active game organizers going on too, both on digital and TTS. We have threads on both of those and people are pretty uh consistent about creating games and such so yep. if you're looking for some go there i noticed that walrus law is putting some tts games together so if you want to learn from uh, the breaker of chains go ahead and <laughs> sign up for one of those. the breaker of sam i think is his new yeah style. the breaker of <laughs> meta he, he is trailblazing for those of you that are looking for more Ruperty, there will be another episode coming up soon, and you might want to help Sam with some categories and questions. Uh, yeah. If you want to do that, you can email goodtimesocietymedia at gmail.com or just message Sam on the Discord. Yeah, just message me directly. That's been uh, really helpful because Jake sees the other emails, and we had an issue where Jake kept seeing answers. We did. So if, if Jake I forwarded him without even looking. If Jake has ever won, just put an asterisk by that. Oh, this issue is fabricated. Okay, good. I was like, wait, what? No, you can message me directly. I will say, everyone who's been messaging me, it's great, and I really appreciate it, but they're very difficult. Do you have some advice for people in that regard? Because I think that is a very tough skill, actually, and you've honed it so well because you not only watch a lot of Jeopardy, but you know this game real well. Yeah, yeah, you want it to be gettable. Like, I, there was a lot of conversation. Uh, Nev sent me some that are just, like, impossible. Uh, I love you, Nev. Those questions, it's like, how many eyebrows are on all the meeples? And I was like, I'm not going to ask them this. Like, that is so hard to know, you know? Great uh, question. Like, how many of the factions have eyebrows, you know, might be good. But, like doing all that math you know um so yeah anyway uh send send them to me i'm happy to 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 nerf the hard ones too i'm i I want all the questions i can get all right also i think i'm gonna introduce a speed round because here's the thing about jeopardy usually it's timed so like there's like easy questions that you just have to be fast on whereas like if you get an easy question in ruperty it's just like uh, let me think 
you know? Yeah. Um, so we mm. might have like classic root pretty and then like a lightning round where you have to buzz in. Uh, that's just something I'm thinking about. Yeah, I love it. It kind of opens up the types of questions we can do when it can be timed. Cool. You were also considering essay questions where we each did like a paid response to something and send it in? Yeah, video essay works too. Video essay. <laughs> no. Oh, so it's not yeah. like a five paragraph thing where we have to make an argument. Uh, you can on a a video essay. You just argue really loud, and you don't have to source. Your are materials. you afraid to read? You instantly are like, "What about a video instead?" <laughs> <laughs> if everyone could send me root pretty questions in the form of gifts and pictures, <laughs> just symbols and you waving. Um. I'll get it. I'll get it. I understand. <laughs> Sam, when you order Pad CU tonight, right before you get off the phone, she says, is there anything else? You know what I want you to I say? I do know what you want me to say. Mm -hmm. Root!